today's passage, like it's already been mentioned, uh, it's heavy, it's a hard passage to navigate, to um, dive into, and I don't want to uh, come across as hard-nosed or aggressive, but I do want to do the passage justice, and so um, know that when I share, it's it's out of love that I, I love you all and I want us to understand the gravity of the passage. And so we're going to dive in. It's heavy. We're going to come up for air halfway through with another discussion question, but we're just going to dive in. Okay. So uh, suppose one day a husband comes home from work on Valentine's Day. He brings home to his wife a stuffed bear with the words, best wife ever. This bear was trying to communicate something incredible, but it comes up short. I mean, it says, best wife ever. It doesn't even say, I love you. The wife is less than thrilled at the weak offering. This is a garbage bear. It's a small bear. It's not made all that well, and it will essentially collect dust and be stowed away in the closet until it accidentally finds itself in the trash. One could argue that maybe the husband doesn't know how to show affection in that way, or There could be a deeper issue in the relationship itself. This situation we're walking in here in the book of Malachi, Caleb walked us through uh, the opening passage last week, and he mentioned that Malachi is talking to a people who struggled to see God's love. They heard the promises of God, but struggled to see it come to pass. And they experienced poverty instead of promises. They were sound in their heads about the doctrine and things of God, but their hearts were far from him. And so when God says, I have loved you, the people are saying, how? How have you loved us? Obviously, there are serious issues in this relationship that needs to be addressed. And as we might expect, the the people's skepticism about the Lord's love for them had spilled over into many areas of their lives, including their worship. And because of their doubts about the Lord's care for them, they were offering half-hearted and insincere offerings. And in return, the Lord was responding to their worship with the equivalent of, go away, I have a headache. So I want to give us the big idea. We're going to dive into the passage and then uh, dig our heels in a little bit. The big idea tonight is knowing God as Father should compel us to honor our Heavenly Father. Knowing God as Father should compel us to honor our Heavenly Father. So if you're not there already, Malachi 1, 6 through 14. We're going to read it in its entirety, pray, and then work through it. Verse 6 says this, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. But if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is your fear of me? Says the Lord of armies to you priests who despise my name. Yet you ask, how have we despised your name? By presenting defiled food on my altar. How have we defiled you, you ask, when you say the Lord's table is contemptible? When you present a blind animal for sacrifice, is it not wrong? And when you present a lame or sick animal, is it not wrong? Bring it to your governor. Would he be pleased with you or show you favor? Asked the Lord of armies. 
and now plead for God's favor. Will he be gracious to us? Since this has come from your hands, will he show any of you favor? Asks the Lord of armies. I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would no longer kindle a useless fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of armies, and I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations, from the rising of the sun to its setting. Incense and pure offerings will be presented in my name in every place, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of armies. But you are profaning it when you say, The Lord's table is defiled, and its product, its food, is contemptible. You also say, Look, what a nuisance, and you scorn it, says the Lord of armies. You bring stolen, lame, or sick animals. You bring this as an offering. Am I to accept that from your hands? Asks the Lord. The deceiver is cursed who has an acceptable male in his flock and makes a vow but sacrifices a defective animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of armies, and my name will be feared among the nations. Let's pray. Oh God, we need your help. We need your grace. God, this passage is confronting some major idols, confronting some ideologies, God, just some mindsets, and ultimately it's not addressing things physical, but a far deeper issue, God, in our hearts. And so, God, may we lay to rest our defenses. May your Holy Spirit soften our heart. Lord, to the truth that you have for us. Ultimately, God, we, we want your word to chip away at us so that we can look more like your son, Jesus. God, would you do that? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's work back up to verses um, 6 and 7. As son honors his father and a servant his master, but if I am a father... Where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is your fear of me, says the Lord of armies, to you priests who despise my name? Yet you ask, how have we despised your name? By presenting defiled food on my altar. How have we defiled you, you ask, when you say the Lord's table is contemptible? This opening line from God should haunt us. It's wrecked me this week. God is saying, where is my honor? Where is my honor? It's not, do I get honor? It's not, am I honorable? God is saying, where is it? It's been misplaced. Not really misplaced. It's been squandered. Where's my honor? Moving on to verse 7, God is answering the question, How have we despised your name? He says, By presenting defiled food on my altar. Imagine this scenario with me. Imagine someone you love very much, someone very dear to you. I'm just going to say they love chocolate pie, because my grandpa loves chocolate pie. Say so he loves homemade chocolate pie. You know that they have a great love 
that's overflowing for chocolate pie and you think I want to do something to honor my, my grandpa or that person you love and you actually have a chocolate pie that's store-bought into the cabinet. But you love this person so much that you're just like, I want to actually make this chocolate pie from scratch because from scratch is better, right? I want to make this pie. So I'm going to go through the trouble of making the crust. I wanted to make all the ingredients. I'm going to do this pie right because I love this person so much. And so I know there's going to be more steps. I may have to make a trip to the store to get a few more ingredients. There's going to be more cleanup. But all the while, I'm doing this joyfully and gladfully because I love this person so much. And I'm willing to do the extra steps. I'm willing to go the extra mile because I love this person. And even though the, the, the pie's done and I've spent a lot of time on this and the cleanup, my kitchen's a wreck, whatever the case is, I'm going to go and I'm going to deliver this pie. And it, I'm just waiting in anticipation because I just can't wait for them to partake of this pie. This is something that we bring excellence to. We give it our very, very best. We would, we would do that for people that we love. Yeah, I want to revisit the big idea that knowing God as Father should compel us to honor our Heavenly Father. Verse 8, when you present a blind animal for sacrifice, is it not wrong? And when you present a lame or sick animal, is it not wrong? Bring it to your governor. Would he be pleased with you or show you favor? Ask the Lord of armies. And now plead for God's favor. Will he be gracious to us? Since this has come from your hands, will he show any of you favor? Ask the Lord of armies. See, the priest in Malachi's day had spotless, perfect animals for sacrifice, but they were keeping them for themselves and giving God the less than desirable sacrifices. Rather than bringing the very best with gladness and with joy, they were presenting defiled or unclean food on the altar. And they were even allowing others to bring their sacrifices that were defiled to offer up as sacrifices. And this is straight up evil. The priest just thought that this was sufficient because it was something. Well, isn't something better than nothing, we would argue? Like, at least we're doing something. God is not in need of our somethings. Why, God is so dependent upon our sacrifices. God does not need our sacrifices, He is worthy of our sacrifices. He isn't desperate for honor. He's worthy for, of honor. He determines whether you and I even take another breath. And He deserves our very best. Our first and our most, not our least and our last. God deserves nothing less than excellence. Malachi goes on to say, would you bring this garbage to your governor? I don't think so. You wouldn't dare offer this to someone of status. 
Yet the priests were offering not only lame, sick, or blind animals, but they were allowing others to do the same. Let's move on to verse 10. Malachi goes for the throat here. He says, I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would no longer kindle a useless fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of armies, and I will accept no offerings from your hands. God would rather them not worship at all than to offer half-hearted worship and give anyone false confidence. Even though you may be at the right physical location at the right physical time, God is ultimately concerned about the spiritual state of our hearts. God is after our best. He's worthy of our best. He's worthy of our excellence. Verse 11, My name will be great among the nations from the rising of the sun to its setting. Incense and pure offerings will be presented in my name in every place because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of armies. In other words, the reason why your careless worship has such a stench to it is because your worship is failing to recognize and stand in awe of the greatness of who God is. His name will be praised. His name will be great among the nations, whether it comes from your lips or not. He will be great among the nations. He's great. His greatness fars outweighs anything this earth could ever offer. We have a failure to recognize that. Verses 12 through 14, but you are profaning it. When you say the Lord's table is defiled and its product, its food, is contemptible, you also say, look, what a nuisance, and you scorn it, says the Lord of armies. You bring stolen, lame, or sick animals. You bring this as an offering. Am I to accept that from your hands, asks the Lord? The deceiver is cursed who has an acceptable male in his flock and makes a vow, but sacrifices a defective animal to the Lord, for I am a great king." says the Lord of armies, and my name will be feared among the nations. See, I've already hit on this, but the origin, the starting point of our careless worship is a refusal to acknowledge the greatness of God. God is vast in greatness. He is immeasurable when it comes to His grace. He is so patient and kind towards us. And when we take His patience and kindness and grace towards us and squander it with careless worship and deliberate premeditated sin, we toss God a quarter and say, you should thank me. Knowing God as Father should compel us to honor our Heavenly Father. Now, if I were to give us handles for application, I would normally think of multiple ways we could individually apply this passage. But this passage is not only going to confront us individually, but also corporately as brothers and sisters. And what I'm about to say is straightforward. This passage doesn't necessarily make friends, and Caleb and I were laughing that we uh, need to give me like a passage on heaven or grace next time just so I could say something remotely happy. <laughs> so, um, and in reality, this text has been challenging uh, to myself to the point where I feel inadequate and unqualified to deliver such text. In this passage, the, 
the wording of it, the intensity, the magnitude of it is heavy. So know that when I deliver what I'm about to say, I too am in need of grace and am praying that God would do a work in my heart when it comes to squandering God's honor. But I think many of us come to Sunday morning worship with a pompous attitude like God should thank me that I'm even here right now for the week of work I had or the awful blind date I went on or come even stumbling in with a headache because I'm hungover. We even set our alarms deliberately or not at all, knowing we're going to be late to Sunday morning worship. It's somehow turned into a fashion statement that we come in late with our coffee and a story of how wretched our week was, rather than coming in with a heart that's ready to worship. We need to be ready to worship and offer a sacrifice of our very best to a holy God. And what if we came to church with a heart that's ready to worship rather than a heart that's careless? Does God look at your worship on Sunday mornings or Thursday nights and say, where's my honor? Where is it? See, we've made church somehow about image management and not about a God who is holy, worthy, awesome, honorable, glorious, majestic, loving, present, near, forgiving, full of grace, full of mercy, full of greatness, and superior in every way. We've missed the mark. It's not about singing on key or singing loudly. It's about our hearts. Are we bringing God our best? Or are we delivering cold leftovers on a paper plate saying you should thank me i'm even here right now and when you come to worship bring your best wake up early put in the work to prime your heart get in god's word ready yourself ready your heart you know you have a hard time waking up on sundays set 12 alarms do whatever it takes Set your clothes out. Do whatever you have to do to make sure that you are going to give God the honor He is worthy of. Hear this with grace. But get your raggedy rear end out of bed and get to church. He is worthy of our honor. You need the church, and the church needs you. You need the church, and the church needs you. Not because you're awesome, but because he's great. He is worthy of our honor. There are brothers and sisters in churches every Sunday that need the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. And there are people that walk into churches every Sunday in financial ruin. They just lost their job. Their, their marriage is hanging on by a thread. And with a shaky faith, carrying betrayal like it's a backpack. With the loss of a loved one. With the anniversary of a tragic event looming over their hearts and minds. And we come traipsing in with careless hearts, squandering the honor and glory that rightfully belongs to God. So I started out with a pretend scenario about a husband who brings his wife a gift she's less than thrilled about. And the gift that was less than desirable was only a symptom 
of the bigger problem. Now, I can't nag you or guilt you out of half-hearted worship any more than a wife can nag her husband into giving her a more wholehearted gift. In fact, we can't nag ourselves out of half-hearted worship. We'll become more wholehearted worshipers only as the Spirit works within us, convincing us slowly of the truth with which the Lord begins the book of Malachi. I have loved you. We've forgotten that. We've forgotten the truth that God has loved us, and as a result, we place honor that's rightfully His on something or someone else. And we've lost sight of what it looks like to give God our everything. We're spiritual schizophrenics when it comes to seeing and knowing the love, the greatness, and glory of God. He's worthy. And that's why we can sing worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. We live for you. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our honor and no one better exemplified a life honoring to God better than Jesus. See, it was Jesus who left it all on the table. It was Jesus who brought his everything. It was Jesus who honored his Father in all he said and did. Jesus never misplaced or squandered the greatness or honor of God. And we as humans are nothing but rags on our most honest day of living. You know it and I know it. We're still strugglers. We still choose sin over God, and that's not to shame or to chastise you. And I'm not even going to tell you to try harder or stop being a dingus, because rather than me telling you, I'm telling myself and all of us times to look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He saw our sin. He saw that we have misplaced God's honor with half-hearted, leftovers-only kind of worship. And Jesus shouts from the right hand of God, I'll die for that. For Jesus to take on the fullness of God's wrath, though, though he never gave God anything less than his absolute best, he gladly bore the wrath that we rightfully deserved. And God is telling us once again, through the sacrifice of his son, I have loved you while pointing us towards the scarred wrist of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I have loved you. Are you failing to see and believe the love of God in your life? Have you just been flooded with discouragement and disappointment? In this world, we are promised that we will have trouble. There will be storms, but take heart. He has overcome. It's in God's word we can see his track record of his unfailing love to a people who are unfaithful time after time after time. You ever just feel like the disciple who can't get their act together? Me too. If that's you tonight, let me encourage you. And when you bring your everything, when you bring your heart, your worship, he will gladly receive it. That's why we can sing, Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. 
Forgiveness is bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And today, God has given us an incredible gift in the church where we can come together shoulder to shoulder and come to worship. And sometimes we may come to church and be unable or even unwilling to worship, only to be strengthened and warmed by the joyful praise that is offered by brothers and sisters. In the preaching of the word, we have the gospel proclaimed to us, stirring up our cold hearts and affections once again to a renewed faith. I've experienced that in the church. I found myself in the chairs at LCF the summer of 2019. I wasn't on staff there. I was actually on staff at another church. But I was there because I was a pastor going through a divorce. And I was given six weeks off at my church to put some time into healing and counseling and rest. So I showed up those six weeks. I went to LCF. I needed to go somewhere I'd be fed with the gospel. The only person I knew at that church was the lead pastor. So I would sit by the lead pastor and his wife during worship, and I found myself every song in worship for those six weeks in tears. Not being able to muster up the strength to get the words out. But I didn't need to get the words out. I was trying to sing, all my life you've been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good. And with every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. And I couldn't get the words out because my heart knew that was true, but why was this happening to me? But I had faithful brothers and sisters singing the gospel to me over me week after week. I needed the church. You need the church. And the church needs you. How richly God has loved us in Jesus. He deserves the very best we can offer our time, our worship, our hearts, and our very lives. And if you've never come to know Christ and given your life to Him, may today be the day, because He is worthy. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our honor. Knowing God as Father should compel us to honor our Heavenly Father. Let me pray with us and then we'll respond in worship. Oh God, we, we need your grace. Lord, we don't deserve to be in relationship with you, but God, you're so good, you're so great, And Lord, I pray that you would just protect our hearts and our minds as we just leave this place, that we would be comforted. God, that you would just extend your patience and your kindness and your grace on us. God, thank you for Jesus, knowing that he is the righteousness that we needed, that when you look at us, God, you don't see our weak attempts at righteousness, but you see the blood of Jesus. So, Father, may we bring our everything. May we not hold back. May we not 
leave our excellencies for something or someone else, but may you receive our praise. God, we love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.